Hello and welcome to Cam's Cops Our Stories. Today we're going to be discussing Operation Laysan, one of the force's most mysterious investigations. In September 2015, Ricardus Pusis vanished from his home in Wisbeach. A murder investigation was launched by the major crime unit and the hunt for his body began. Ricardus had not been seen for three years before the investigation took an unexpected turn, but it was another two years before detectives discovered the truth behind his disappearance. After five years searching, police found Ricardus living in undergrowth in Wisbeach. Having fled his abusers and a subsequent investigation into modern-day slavery began. In this episode, we speak to Sergeant Chris Acourt, who was part of the initial team to raise concerns for Ricardus, as well as Superintendent Adam Gallup, who led the major crime unit investigation into the bodiless murder. In April this year, the investigation featured on Channel 4's 24 Hours in Police Custody. One question we've been asked a lot since then is how did Ricardus manage to charge his mobile phone? Let's see if Chris and Adam have the answer. The disappearance of uh, Ricardus Pusis came into the major crime unit in December 2015. And by the time it came to us, the level of concern around him was was clearly very high and it was it was quickly declared to be a murder investigation and obviously the complexities that sit behind a no-body murder investigation. So at that time there'd been a, a high level of um, local investigation. So the first stages are about trying to understand as much as we can about Richardus and also understanding how uh, the concerns for his welfare had came to light. One of the things, and there are many, uh, but one of the things that made this thing, this investigation is kind of unique and different is that nobody ever reported any concern for person. Um, he was never reported missing. There was never a crime reported. And, uh, you know, I, I, I will never forget that it's a huge credit to the initial officers, the tenacity and, and compassion they, they showed to follow through and, and check on uh, Richardus's welfare. Uh, so at the point that he was disappeared, he was around about 35 years old. Um, he lived in a variety of multi-occupancy addresses in Wisbeach, and he'd come over to work in the agricultural sector um, several years before he'd been missing. He seemed to be a, a character who um, may well have been a victim of exploitation. He He had... He had, uh, and that was apparent from an early stage. You know, this was not. This was a, this was a man who was connected with organised crime groups, but clearly was not a major player within those groups. He didn't have a car. He didn't have many friends. He didn't have access to any family locally. He appeared to live very much from hand to mouth and was dependent on on other people. And it became apparent quite early on um, during the investigation who who some of those people were who had control of his bank accounts and control of his movements. So we had early inquiries with the uh, with the gang masters that he was working legitimately for about how salary was paid or how wages were paid and how duties were arranged. Um, and there was clearly uh, it, it was clear that Richardus wasn't operating independently. Uh, Richardus's identification cards were found in a park in Wisbeach, dis- discarded on the ground and handed in by a member of the public. Uh, for a Lithuanian national, ID card is absolutely vital. Uh, from the inquiries that we made, we started to understand how important this document was. 
uh, without it and without any application to get another ID card, life in Lithuania for him would really not be sustainable. He wouldn't be able to travel. Um, so he wouldn't be able to get into Lithuania, get back to Lithuania legitimately without this ID card. So not only was it significant that we had it, but it was also significant that he didn't apply for a, for a renewed card at any point. And that's why, although we made a number of inquiries back into in Lithuania, especially around the media and family contact, um, I think there was always a sense that he probably hasn't gone back to Lithuania because there was no uh, trace of life, no proof of life for him in Lithuania. So it was it was apparent around about late September he had been uh, moved from one property to live in another, that he'd been quite badly assaulted and beaten. Uh, and there were accounts that talked about him being punched in the head with a key and blood spurting out. And we uh, we were able to identify an address where that assault appeared um, to have taken place or, or, or certainly the, the witness evidence was that's where the assault had taken place. And also around about and after his disappearance, so after um, those closest to him and uh, you know, I reiterate, people were not very close to Richardus, but those closest to him uh, reporting some concerns about his well-being um, had, had said that uh, a, a number of men had been looking for him. And some comments had been been passed, such as kind of, you know, where is he? He's in big trouble or comments such as you're not going to see him again. Um, don't worry about him anymore. So when we, when we put all those bits of information together, uh, it was a very sound hypothesis at that time um, that uh, that the Richardas had come to some, some significant harm. Um, and so has he been uh, assaulted and killed? Um, at that time, probably was the answer. So after a, a few years of investigating this, then then clearly, um, you know, it go, the trail goes cold. There are no viable lines of inquiry, uh, and we would pick it up periodically because maybe we had a little bit of information that suddenly came to to to, to light, or there might be six months of uh, you know a prolonged period with no activity, and then we get a couple of weeks with a bit of downtime, pick it up, have a look at it, and try and generate some lines of inquiries ourselves. But uh, Richardus for five years was never far from the thoughts of any of us involved in this investigation. But the activity around it certainly went in peaks and troughs. And then, of course, in the in the summer, late summer 2018, uh, we become aware of a Facebook page that has popped up in the name of Richardus Pusis, which is a really quite extraordinary turn of events information started to come through um, and intelligence started to come through again through some of our eastern european staff who work on the team and who were working for the major crime unit to suggest that ricardas might actually be alive if i'm blatantly honest uh, myself and my team had full confidence that he'd something sinister had happened to him and that he was dead so we were a little bit skeptical when this intelligence and information came in so, so the, the Facebook page um, at a time when and clearly I'm not alone within the investigation team, we're, we're, we're pretty satisfied with the hypothesis that this is a, a no, no body murder investigation, does take a little bit of time to, to, to digest and really think logically through what, what's happened here with the Facebook page. Um, has it been created as a sick joke? Has it been created as a as a smokescreen? Um, has it been created by uh, Richardus? But it was unbelievable at that time that he might be alive. But if he was alive, then how how could it be 
that he's alive? Where could he be? Um, why has he? Why is there no proof of life? Um, and and so, you know, if he's alive, there's immediately a concern that he is uh, a a victim of modern day slavery, um, or that he is in such fear of coming to harm that he's he's hiding somewhere. Um, so he's either kept or is hiding, and either way, he's terrified. So how we deal with this information requires a, a little a little bit of careful thought and trying to crunch through the intelligence and some of the tactics behind that, that the Facebook page and um, mobile phone devices that may be using to access the Facebook page, which became um, technically quite challenging for a number of um, experts that we uh, enlisted the support of um, over a sustained period of time um, uh, uh, and, uh, and led us to, to uh, ASDA uh, in, in Wisbeach. Um, and, and again, I would say, um, you know, people know the ending of this story uh, is that we found in, in some woods close to Asda. It took many nights and many visits and, and, and much engagement with, with people uh, from um, the street community, the Lithuanian community who, who, who were living rough or, or hanging around um, the, the, the park and the cemetery area. Um, it, it, it took many engagement with them before before you know the hunt through the woods uh, was was found to be successful. The time that he was found, I was actually with the the officers that that found him and and discovered him, and it was myself who actually identified him as being Ricardus. If I'm honest, I was absolutely gobsmacked that he was alive. I mean, he looked um, for the amount of time that he'd been in the woods in in quite good health albeit it, you know he you know he was obviously dirty and um, fairly unkempt but he was in pretty good pretty good health obviously a bit shocked to see us at the time of day that we we found him because it was about three o'clock in the morning but um the fact that he was living in them woods for four and a half years was absolutely incredible um for for someone to be so absolutely terrified that they feel that the only way out is to live in an isolated condition for four and a half years through you know for all the seasons including i think the beast from the east he was in the woods for that sort of period of time it's an incredible feat that he um he accomplished but also very sad that he felt that his that was his only way out he was actually going through bins and, and finding bits and pieces of waste He's come across various batteries and uh, devices and bits and pieces of wiring which he, he's managed to use. And, and ultimately, he's come up with a system of managing to find a, a small solar panel, which he's rigged to uh, a scooter type battery or um, a small battery system, which is then given a trickle charge through to a mobile phone. Uh, and, and what's this en enabled him to do over like a 23 hour period he's managed to charge the phone very slowly throughout the day to give him to give him an hour of power at some point during the evening for him to then use um what people have got to understand he wasn't using the phone constantly he was not online he wasn't looking at apps um he's he's not ringing in and out so the phone was generally hardly being used it was getting a trickle charge throughout the day and then he was using it for a small amount of time to go online that night um, to, to link into Facebook. But um, it's it wasn't the first phone he found. It was it was probably the fourth phone that he found. First couple of phones 
he found didn't work. I think he found one that did work, but it didn't have a SIM card. Uh, and then I think he managed to find a phone that worked with the SIM card uh, after about three and a half years, which enabled him to then get online uh, and uh, utilize Facebook to make contact with his family. So it's quite an ingenious um, system. But he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's cobbled things together. Uh, and over time, with trial and error, he's come up with a system that's worked, which has enabled him to get online. I mean, he did have, um, like, like I said, grooming stuff there. That was one of the things that we found, which is quite predominantly in place um, when we actually located him. But clothes and bits and pieces he, he found, he, he obviously got from near to charity bins and from charity bins and pieces like that. So it, they, they were there and quite readily available for him to pick up. Um, he also, for a period of time, was using water from a, a derelict property. Uh, which was quite close to where he was in the woods and, and bringing water back. So he was using that to wash. But once that was demolished, he was actually collecting water from a stream. Uh, and the, the stream water he was he was bringing back uh, and utilising that to wash himself and shave himself. But he knew um, that personal hygiene and keeping clean was the way to keep healthy. So I think one of the things that was was very important to him was his personal hygiene uh, and bits and pieces like that. So he kept his hair short. He he shaved when he could. Um, he washed as much as he could. He tried to make sure he had clean, dry clothing, which he kept uh, in certain areas, which was hanging up uh, and available to him to use. So, yeah, he used a variety of methods, which, you know, he I don't think he's done any military service or anything like that, but he's. He's, I guess he's learned and picked things up over the time. Things work, things that don't work. And after four and a half years, I guess you get to know what works and what doesn't. By far more importantly is we've got him out of that situation and given him a second chance, which who knows, you know, another winter in there could have been enough, couldn't it? A lot of the potential victims of slavery sometimes don't know that they're actually victims. They don't know they're being exploited. They don't know their rights and entitlements. They don't know um, that they are a victim. And it, and it needs somebody from the outside who might be looking in to make that report for us to know. And like I said, because the victims don't come forward, it makes it a very difficult crime to initiate and investigate. So you know like i said i would just urge the members of the public if they're not happy with something if they've got a feeling that something is just not quite right it's not a waste of time it's not a waste of anybody's time i'd rather go somewhere find out everything's legit and fully above board uh, than not go anywhere and see somebody stay within a, a modern slavery uh, environment so yeah it's just appealing for the public to just keep their eyes open, and if they're not happy, make that report. I was elated to find Richardus a well and then be able to know that the support could be put in place around him for him to rebuild his life. Um, you know, that's why that's why we do the job, isn't it? Every, each and one individual victim, you know, let's not get lost in the volume. How much crime do we have today? You know, there are individual people out there whose lives really matter. And uh, I really hope and believe that uh, you know, Richardus, who is who is who is not an old man, he's got loads of years left, and I I, I hope and believe he he will have a better life now because of what the officers were able to achieve that night.
Thank you to Chris and Adam for speaking to us about such a fascinating and mysterious investigation. And thank you for listening. Remember to look out for the next episode of Cam's Cops Our Stories on our YouTube channel. If you've been affected by the content of today's podcast or want to know more about the signs of modern slavery, please visit www.stopmodernslavery.co.uk for more information.